Hey, this is Greg Harvey, pastor at Embrace Church. Enjoy today's message and subscribe so you don't miss out on any upcoming sermons. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13, that he said this phrase to the church that's so vital, so big. He said, watch, stand fast in the faith, be brave, be strong. And we've taken this scripture, watch, stand fast, put, put, oh man, now y'all know the title. I was going to, I was going to let y'all kind of figure it out. I mean, put it back up, see if they could, maybe they weren't even paying attention. Watch, stand fast in the faith, be brave, be strong. We've, we've covered be brave and how to be brave. We've covered be strong and how to be strong and we've covered uh, Stand fast in the faith. And I was going to see if y'all could guess what this next one would be because I figure y'all might see a pattern happening and you might be quick on it. But now you already know, so I'll go ahead. It's watch. Watch. And sometimes that might look like that's an easy thing to kind of just overlook. But what you watch... How you watch, how you guard, how you look at it matters in whether or not you are brave or not. Paul wasn't just throwing that word out there like it was nothing. He wasn't just throwing it out there and then just going, hey, the main parts be brave. No, no, he's saying at the beginning, look, in order to be brave, in order to be strong, in order to stand fast in your faith, you have to make sure that one of the things that you're doing is that you are watching. In other words, that you are being careful, that you are watching, you're protecting, you're guarding, you're watching so that you can be strong, so that you can be brave, so that you can stand fast in your faith. It requires a, a diligence beforehand of watching out, looking for those moments of the enemy coming in and trying to tempt you. And he goes in and, and trying to bring doubt and fear in you. So he says, look, most important, start off, watch. Be careful. Be on guard. Watch. Stand fast in your faith. Be brave. Be strong. And, and we looked at, in, in Philippians chapter 4, we looked there and we we've, we've focused really on Philippians 4 and 6 through 8. And, and, and there Paul really speaks to the church in this powerhouse, just faith-building chapter of Philippians 4. And, and, and he, he tells them, look, in, in verse 6 he says, be anxious for nothing. And I know that's hard to do. Especially in the, and I think it was probably even hard for Paul, especially in the in the state that he was at, in the in the in a prison cell and everything that's coming up against him, and in prison because of sharing the gospel and being beaten for his faith. I I would think it was something that Paul even maybe struggled with to be anxious for nothing. But even in that place, he's telling the church, "Be anxious for nothing." 
to be brave in this, be anxious for nothing. And then he gives a key in how to be brave and how to be strong and how to stand fast. And he says, look, look, in order to be anxious for nothing, you have to guard your heart and your mind and to think on these things, to meditate and dwell on these things. And he said, whatever things are pure, whatever things are just, wherever things are lovely, wherever things are noble, wherever things are of good report, wherever things are praiseworthy, it's not in that order, but it hit them all. He said, meditate on this. In other words, focus your mind and train your thinking in order to be brave because the fear comes here. It's all in the mind where it attacks. It's all in the mind. So he said, look, look, focus your thinking on the right things. Instead of trying not to think about the bad, because that's what we tend to do, we tend to tell ourselves, I'm not going to think about that. How's that work for you? What do you end up doing? You think about it. You'll lay in bed for, for hours, just, just quit thinking about it, quit thinking about it, quit thinking about it. Have you ever done that? I, I was doing that. I was doing that last night. Don't think about it, don't think about it, don't think about it. And, and, and it doesn't work. As soon as I keep telling myself, don't think about it, I think about it. So Paul said, look, look, instead of telling yourself not to think about it, think about certain things. Reprogram your thinking to where it's not this, but wherever things are pure. Wherever things are true, wherever things are lovely, wherever things are just, whatever things are praiseworthy, wherever things are of good report, that's what you think on. Whatever things come from the Father, that's what you think on. And think about those things and you can be brave and you can be strong and you can be anxious for nothing. But he goes, we're going to go a little bit farther in Philippians chapter 4. And in verse 11, he, he says this, still in the same chapter and still in this powerhouse of a faith building chapter he says this not that I speak in regard to need for I have learned in whatever state I am but it's better in Texas I've learned in whatever state I am to be content We can so overlook that phrase, be content, and think that it just doesn't mean much. But, but I'm telling you, being content, watching yourself that you can stay content, is a powerful thing in order to be brave, in order to be strong, in order to, to, to stand fast. It is this be content be content. He said, I've learned in whatever state I'm in to be content. And he goes on to say, he said, I know how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry. Both to abound and to suffer need. 
And then he says a verse that we've quoted and we've memorized and we know and we use, but probably not in the same context that Paul uses it right here. He says this, he said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. How many has ever used that verse? How many has ever quoted that verse? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I bet you never used it the same place as Paul's using it in saying, I've learned how to be content. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He goes on, on finishing up his thought in verse 19. He, he finishes up and he says, And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. But I think back on that, in whatever state I am, I've learned therewith to be content. To be content. I never really grasped that, especially when I was younger. How to be content. It's something that I still have to watch out for. Because when you don't learn how to be content, you bring on some added stress, don't you? You're going after things that you might not should go after. Because someone else has them, and now what you have is not good enough. Whether it's job, whether it's possessions, whether it's you know, whatever. I mean, we can look at others, and then we can want what they want. And Paul says, look, I've learned. I've learned in whatever state I am in to be content. And it sounds like, here's where I struggled with it before, is that it sounds like Paul's just saying, look, you just got to learn how to take it, wherever the world gives you. Just learn how to take it. Be happy whether it's good, whether it's bad. Just learn how to, how to take it. And it, it almost sounds like being content is almost like the battle cry of the week. Does it not? It does. It sounds like it's just kind of the battle cry of the, of the week. The, uh, of, of, well, that, that'll do. The, that's, that's good enough. I'll, you know, whatever. But Paul uses it in a saying that we use as a verse as a battle cry for the strength. Because he follows up this I've learned to be content, and it almost sounds like what I think it sounds like because he says, look, I've learned how to, I've learned how to be full. I've learned how to be hungry. I've learned how to have a lot. I've learned how to have a little. You know, I've learned, uh, I've, I've learned to do this, and it sounds like, yeah, it's the battle cry of the week, but he follows up and he says, look, no, no, it's not the battle cry of the week. It's this, that I've learned that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me and he's saying, look, I'm strong. I've learned how to do all things through him who gives me the strength. I'm strong in him. This is not, this content isn't a battle cry of the weak. It is a battle cry of the strong that Paul is saying. That I can do all things through him who strengthens me. 
And I know you've never used it in that phrase. I know you've never pulled out that verse of I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me whenever you feel like it's bad in your life and you've got nothing going for you. When, when do you use it? When, when you're advancing, isn't it? When you're going forward for something, when you're, when you're, when you're attacking, when you're, when you're in life, when you're starting a new job that you're excited for, but you're a little nervous about and you whisper to yourself, it's okay, it's going to be okay. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. When, when we played basketball, when I played basketball as a, as a, as a kid, well, well, I was in college, but, but as a kid, I, I, our, our coach, that was like our scripture. I went to a Bible college, so, so we had scriptures. That was like our scripture. I mean, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We'd be in at halftime. We'd be down by 20 points. He'd go, he'd use two phrases all the time. How do you eat an elephant? Like, that's the stupidest thing. I don't want to eat an elephant. Have you ever heard that? So dumb. How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. It's dumb. Every halftime, because we're down by 20, and it's an elephant comeback that we're facing. How do you eat an elephant? Well, you know what? We don't, we lose by 40. So... Not hungry for an elephant. So we'd lose by 40 most of the time. I mean, it's just. And, and, and then he'd say, look, look, guys, we can do this. I can do all things through Christ. We'd repeat it. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do, but, but, I, but I learned we were playing other Bible colleges, and they had God on their side too. They were quoting the same verse, and it was meaning more to them. But we would quote that, I can do all things. I, I never seem to quote it in the same context that Paul's quoting it in uh, and saying, uh, I've learned how to have a lot and I've learned how to have a little. And I've been happy both ways. I've learned how to, how to be full and I've learned how to be hungry, but I'm okay either way because in whatever state I'm in, I've learned how to be content. I've watched, I've guarded, I've learned how to be content. And the, Paul gives the key in what is being and how to be content. He said, in learning how to be content, it's knowing where your strength is from. Because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He is my strength. And it's also knowing where my supply comes from because he finishes up saying that my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory and learning how to be content is this it's learning how to know and to realize of where your strength comes from and where your supply comes from and it doesn't put it all on you and sometimes God blesses you with a lot and sometimes you go through a trial so that he can bless you later sometimes you feel weak and he's your strength within it but I've learned 
learned that in whatever place I'm at, no matter what I'm going through, in whatever state I'm in, I can stand strong in my faith. I can be steadfast in my faith because I know where my strength comes from and I know where my supply comes from and it takes all the pressure off of me because it's all in Him. So He said, I've learned to be content. I can't do anything about it anyway. It's not on me. If it was on me, I would fail so many times. And I would have to work as hard as I could to get back up. And I, and I would have this climb and, this, and there would always be this struggle. But it's not on me. It's on Him. So I can be content in whatever state I'm in. Whether it's a lot or whether it's a little, I can still be content. And I want you to grasp this because it's so vital in your walk with Him that you learn to be content. Can I show you a picture of what it looks like in the Old Testament? Uh, of, of this picture of knowing your supply and your strength, knowing that this invisible strength that comes from Him and this un, unlimited supply that comes from Him and having peace in your life no matter what you're facing. In, in, in 2 Kings chapter 6, there's a story, this is Elisha. And to set up just a little bit before I read it, Elisha... The king of Syria has been trying to attack Israel and overtake Israel. And, and Syria is a stronger nation. And, and they're ready and they're willing and they're wanting to overthrow Israel. But it seems like what's happening is that every time they go to attack, Israel already knows. And the king of Syria has had enough of this, and he's talking with the generals, and he's talked to them, and he says, why is it that every time we go to advance, we can't overtake them? Because we should be able to overtake them. And the general's response was this, says, because the prophet Elisha tells, tells the armies exactly what we're going to do, before we do it it's as if it's as if he's in the tents with us when we're making the plans and he knows our secrets and he shares them so that there's no surprise and they're ready for us every single time so so the king is is saying okay then we're not going after israel right now now we're going to go after elisha and let's go get elisha because if we get elisha then he can't tell them even if he knows what's going on. So let's go capture Elisha. And in chapter 6 of, of 2 Kings, it, it says in verse 15, And when the servant of the man of God arose early and went out, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots, and his servant said to him, he says this to Elisha, Alas, my master, what shall we do? Elisha answered. And look at what he says. He says, do not fear. Man, that's easy for you to say, Elisha. They're coming after us. And I'm with you. And I've been your servant. And I'm ready to quit right now. And he says, no, nah, don't fear. Don't, 
don't fear. Really? The armies are all around us, and you're saying, don't fear. And then Elisha says something weird. He says, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And the servants count, and he goes, Me and you, that's two, they're all around the city. I think your math is wrong, Elisha. And Elisha then, then he prays. He, he says this in this next, next verse. That Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. I mean, think about this. Here, here they are. The king of Syria has sent the armies to attack, not Israel, but just Elisha. And he's gone. Have you ever felt like that? That that they're bypassing who they should be attacking and all of it comes on you? And the they've surrounded Elisha and they're ready for war. And the servant wakes up and he's panicked and he should be. Because he sees the army, and he sees the battle that's coming, and he sees what's against them, and Elisha stands up, and he's not panicked. He doesn't, he's not, it doesn't even seem like he's worried in any way whatsoever. In fact, his first words to the servant is, don't fear. Like, that's cool when Superman says it. It's cool when it's, but, but really, Elisha, don't fear. And then he gives bad math for those who are for us or more and those that are against us right now. And then he prays something odd. He said, open, open his eyes. What was he praying? He was praying, God, let him see what I see at this moment. Because my eyes are open, and I'm not scared. He's not able to see what I see, so God, open his eyes so he can see what I see. And that's interesting because Elisha always had a way of seeing things that other people couldn't see. Elisha always had an ability to see things that other people couldn't see. For example, one time they came to Elisha and the waters were polluted and poisoned and, 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 and they couldn't drink out of it and they didn't know what to do. And they came to Elisha and Elisha, he saw beyond the pollution and he saw beyond the poison and he said, I want you to take some salt and put it in the water. And, and when they put salt in, it purified the water because Christ 
even remember he said that we are the salt of the earth and he, and we live in a polluted world and, and Christ is saying look that you are the purifying agent to the world around you you are the salt and before anybody knew this purifying of salt Elijah is saying look I want you to take the salt and put it in the water and purify it because he could see something that others couldn't see Elisha had this ability. Uh, when, 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 when Elisha was staying with, this, with this, this wonderful couple and he would pass through and they built him a room for him uh, and, 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 and he wondered, what can I do for them? And, and he noticed other people just saw this beautiful couple and Elisha saw a woman who was barren uh, but saw life within a womb uh, and he prayed and he saw something within her and he said, you'll have a child before. And she's like, no, don't lie to me, don't lie to me. He said, no, I'm not. I see something that you don't see. I see life in a womb that other people are saying is barren. So, so later when she gives birth and, and that kid's about 12 and, and he dies out in the field with his father and they take him up and put him on the, in the upper room where Elisha normally stays. And what do they do? They come and get Elisha because where they see death, Elijah still saw life. Because he could see what other people couldn't see. He still saw life within a child because he saw the promises. He saw the future. He saw what the child would be. He saw life where other people saw dead. And his response was, don't worry about it. He's just sleeping. And he, and, he, and he brings the child then back to life because he had an ability to see what other people couldn't see. So when an army is surrounding him and he wakes up and he sees with the natural eyes what everybody else sees... He doesn't panic because he sees something else that they don't see because he has that ability. And he prays, God, don't. He doesn't pray this prayer of God, God, send the army, send help. No, he prays something odd. He just says, open his eyes so that he can see what I see because sometimes where we panic and where we struggle isn't that God isn't already sending help. Isn't that God already isn't in control of the situation. The problem is why I stress out about it is I don't see my help. So I pray God send the help. And I think, I think so many times God's saying, I, I, I've already, help's on the way. Do you not trust me? Help's on the way. I've already said I'm going to supply the need. Is Do you not trust me? I've already said, said I'll be your strength. Do you not trust me? I've already said, that I'll do you not trust me? So, so the problem so many times isn't that he's not there and available. It's the problem is that I just don't see it. So Elisha says, open his eyes so that he can see. And here's what the servant saw when his eyes were open. He saw God's army. The horses and the chariots of fire. All around the city. In the mountains, around the city. And here's how I want to see this. I don't know if you get this right. Because when I picture this, and here's how I like to picture it. 
But here, let me get help. I've been using help the last couple of weeks. Let me get them. Here, come here. You, you know you're coming. Um, let me get, let me, Brad, come, come here. Help me out. Help me out. Help, help me out. We'll just do it with two for now. We might do more. So here, here's what he wakes up to. The enemy. All around. And he prays, God opened his eyes, and what he sees is now the army of God is around the enemy and has the enemy surrounded. Here's my problem with this. I still see the enemy. And the enemy's still right here. And God's army's there. I want it to be like this. Come on, don't you? I want it to be this way. That here I am, when, when I open my eyes, all I see is the army of God, and I can't see the enemy now. Is that what, I mean, that's what I want. As a Christian, that's what I'm after. I'm like, God, God, I prayed, and I want the, His army to stand between me and my enemy, so I don't even see my enemy, so I'm not worried about the attacks, and I'm not scared of what's going to happen, and all I can see is the blessings of God, but that's not how it works. I want it to work that way, and I think we've got a bad idea of religion because we think as a Christian this is how it's supposed to work. That now, now that I've come to Christ, all my problems are invisible. I can't see them. Now that I come to, now that I start paying tithes, don't, don't you think that way? God, I pay tithes. Why am I getting this surprise bill? I shouldn't even see that. It should have been blocked. Right here. I'm waiting for the unexpected checks in the mail right out of nowhere that he keeps passing speaking over me and I, I want God to just keep passing that to where I don't see the the enemy but that's not how he saw it that's how I picture it at first when I read it that's how I picture it the enemy surround Elisha but God opens his eyes and he sees the army of God surrounding Elisha too. So that's all he sees. But it doesn't say that. He says that in the mountains, he sees the army of God in the mountains around the city surrounding Elisha. But the enemy, so the picture is this. And here's my struggle. Here's my struggle in life. Here's my struggle in how to be brave. Because I look at my problem. And I have a hard time seeing through my problem to my solution. I see my need. And I have a hard time seeing through my need 
to my supply. I see my weakness, and I have a hard time seeing through my weakness to my strength. And I get caught focusing on my problem, on my enemy, on my attacks. And I don't think I could take them because my enemy started working out this year. And he goes to the gym and I don't go to the gym. And I don't think I could take him now. And he's younger than me. And I don't know. I mean, I, if he was here, I, could, I would feel better because, because my army used to play football. And my army's younger than my problem. And I feel tough when it's like this. Uh, come on. Let's go. But when it's this and I don't see my... I cower. And I get discouraged. And I get... Y'all can sit down. I think I'm done playing with y'all. We might play again later. Let's see. Get some games going. I get stuck because I focus on what I can see. And my problem is so many times that I don't see what God's already given me. I don't see the strength that he's already supplied me with. I don't see the resources that he's already... I don't see my answer because my focus is still on my enemy, what is surrounding me, my problem, my, and I cower down. You see, it's careful what you see. Being brave, it matters what you see. What you're able to focus on, what you're able to look at, what you're able to watch, it's, it's important what you see. And here, here Elisha prays to this, prays to God, and he says, Look, 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 open his eyes so that he can see what I see, so that he can see through the problem, through the situation, through. And I, and I think here's our, here's our thing. In order, here, y'all come back up. I, I, let, let's play another game. No, no, because I didn't, I didn't show this. Y'all weren't getting this completely. We pictured it here, back here, back here. We pictured it like this. Here's why I struggle looking through because of where I'm looking. So I think it matters about where God placed the army. Because did you see where he placed them? On the mountains. So, so come. I can't see. Stand up. Stand, stand up there. That's a mountain. Making a mountain out of a molehill. And so now I can see. I can see. Notice how I can see because, because I get my eyes focused here normally and all I see is my problem. But if I can look above my problem, 
If I can focus above what is coming against me, if I can, that's, that's weird, isn't it, right there? If I can focus above, if I can get my eyes up, if I can get my, my, my gaze up a little bit, I, I, my, my problem isn't, isn't really my problem. My problem is where I'm looking. The problem really isn't my, as long as I'm here, I'm always just going to see this. But if I, can, if I can get my eyes up, if I can focus up above, I'll know that my God's still in control. And that's the beauty of what he's seen at this moment, is that the army of God surrounded the enemy so that even when I'm being attacked, God's still in control of it. Even when they're coming against me, God's still in control of it all. They can't do anything without his permission because he's still in control so I can rest assured that even though I'm facing something I don't want to face, even though I'm dealing with something I don't want to deal with, even though I'm struggling here and struggling there, and I don't want to be in this season, I can still make it through because I know that my God is still in control of even the bad times in my life. So even in the bad times, I can be content because His strength is still there, and His supply is still there, and my faith is still there because I'm watching and I'm looking, not focused on my problem, but on Him. Man, that's, that's why. That's why y'all can be seated again. I won't pull you off again. I promise. Kind of. And, and they, that's, why, that's why the writer of Psalms, the psalmist said, said this in Psalms, Psalms 121. He said, he said, I will lift my eyes to the hills. I'll look up, I'll lift my eyes, I'll get my gaze off of this, and I'll look up, I'll lift my eyes to the hills. Why? Because it's there from whence my help comes from. That's where my strength is. That's where my supply in is. He goes on and says, my help comes from the Lord who made the heaven and the earth. He's over it all. He's in control of it, and he's there. And if I can just look above the situation, if I can just look above it and see through it, then I'll see a God that's supplying it. Even though I didn't know that the supply was needed at the time, he's already there. He's already working. He's already operating. And he's surrounded me with his love and his goodness so I can be content even in the bad. You see, that's where we think of it as it's a weak thing, the content. It's a weak thing to be content. But Paul doesn't describe it in that way. He says it's a strong thing. My strength is in it. My, my strength is in it. You see, I, I always wonder, God, why aren't you in the middle why aren't you there in between? Why aren't you there standing? Why is it that you're surrounding my enemies? Why isn't that you're just surrounding me and protecting me from my enemies? And then it, and then it kind of caught me. If I never saw my struggle, 
I would think it's all me. If I never dealt with a struggle or a hard time, I would think it's all me that gets me out. And I would put my trust in me and my faith in me. And look what I did. And look at me. And I would just focus on the me. But it's when I'm weak and I know I can't do it without him that I know that it was him who saved me. It was him who worked in me. It was him who controlled. It was him who. See, with him where he's at, it puts him above me. Not just my enemies, but above me. So my focus is him. That's why Paul said to the church, wait, will you come up? And That's why Paul said to the church in, in 1 Corinthians, he, he used this phrase when he, he was struggling with a weakness in his own area. When he was admitting, admitting this struggle of weakness that he had to the church and he says look I prayed and I prayed God take this away from me and he finally got the answer and it wasn't the answer he was wanting but he found peace in the answer the answer was no I won't fix it I want you to stay weak here I don't like that. I would have prayed more than three times. I would have kept praying. Like, God, change your mind. I accept that answer. Would you mind changing it? But instead, he realized an assurance within this. And he uses this phrase. He said... That God spoke to him and said, my grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. So I won't take your weakness away because it's in your weakness that my strength looks strong. And that you realize that you need my strength to make it. That you need my strength to go through. If, if I took away your weakness, Paul, you would think it's all you. And you wouldn't realize the grace that I have for you. And I want you to realize that my grace is sufficient. So I'm going to let you stay weak here so that you see my strength. So Paul says in response, Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities. Now Paul's proud of it, of his weaknesses. I'll boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest on me. I'll boast in my weakness. How many of you have ever done that? proud of where I'm weak because in my weak he shows himself strong 
God's a king. I can be content then. In my weakness, I can be content. It doesn't mean I'm weak. It means he's strong. So I'll take it. I can be content. I can face anything. I can be brave. I can deal with it. Because in my struggle, his strength shows up. Thanks for joining us today. Please share this podcast. Have a great week and make an impact on those around you.